Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan. A reading from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. Hear the word of the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Our Old Testament reading comes from 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 through 19. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David and all the people with him set out and went from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, which is enthroned on the cherubim. They carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God. And Ahio went in front of the ark. David and all the house of Israel were dancing before the Lord with all their might, with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nikon, Uzzah reached out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. 
the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God struck him there because he reached out his hand to the ark. And he died there beside the ark of God. David was angry because the Lord had burst forth with an outburst upon Uzzah. So that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day. He said, how can the ark of the Lord come into my care? So David was unwilling to take the ark of the Lord into his care in the city of David. Instead, David took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. It was told King David, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the, Lord, the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six places, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. David danced before the Lord with all his might. David was girded with a linen apart. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. They brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and offerings of well-being before the Lord. When David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the offerings of well-being, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed food among all the people, the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, to each a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins. Then all the people went back to their homes. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, we want to learn to live a life that pleases you. Give us a humble and loving heart to do what you want and serve you by serving others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In his book, The Choice, Living Your Passion Inside Out, seminary professor Frank Thomas tells the pain and joy that involved in his job transition from being a pastor to becoming a seminary professor. Before Frank became a full-time seminary professor, he served as a senior pastor at, at a large church in Mississippi. Under Frank's leadership, the church he served grew from less than 100 
to more than 4,000 members. After Frank served in his congregation for more than 20 years, a small group of members in the church accused him of doing something wrong. So they took him to court. In the process of going through the most difficult time of his ministry, Frank became exhausted. And although the court found no fault in him, Frank knew that he no longer had the energy and creativity to lead his congregation in years to come. So Frank decided to leave his congregation in two years. He, he decided to stay there for just two more years. And Frank then prayed and inquired God of where God might be calling him after two years. And Frank also met with his mentor. And one of his mentor's questions was, Frank, what do you want? And it took days for Frank to think of what he wanted. In his book, Frank Rice, many of us know what we want based on living outside in or living according to the flesh. I would like to be rich, famous, and powerful and have more money than I could ever spend. That is what I want. But is that what I want Really? Frank us? Frank reminds us of what we want and what our priority in life is. And the Bible tells us for David, the second king of Israel, what he wanted was to do what God wanted him to do. While Saul was still the king of Israel, God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. David will do everything I want him to do. Unlike David, Saul ignored what God wanted him to do. Saul wanted to be God's king. Saul wanted the title, but he was rebellious and he sought the position more than God's presence. And doing what God wants is what makes David a person after God's own heart. Was David flawless? No. There were times David was angry. And there were times David made mistakes just like us. But one thing I like about David is that, that even when he made mistakes, he continually sought what God wanted. And David is a kind of person who is flexible and teachable. And when he didn't understand things, he would pray for understanding. When he sinned against God, David would repent. And said things like, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Our text today tells us 
when David rose to power, he decided to bring the ark of God to Jerusalem. And the ark of God is a rectangular box, not quite four feet in length and a little over two feet in depth and width. And there are three items in the ark, the tablets of stone that Moses had delivered to the people from Sinai, and a jar from manna from the wilderness years of wandering, and Aaron's rod that budded. And these objects were the continuing and reminding evidence that God worked among Israelites, and it was God who saved them and provided for them and commanded them. So David wanted this ark of God in Jerusalem. But he didn't know the proper way to bring it. So David let the ark put on a new ox cart. And when his men were driving the cart on the hill, one of the oxen stumbled and the ark began to fall. And one of David's servants named Uzzah, he tried to stop it from falling. And the strange thing is that when Uzzah tried to reach the ark, God got mad and God killed Uzzah instantly. When I first read, read our text, I found it difficult to understand. Uzzah was tr- just trying to reach out and save the ark of God from falling. But he was killed instantly. Was the death of Uzzah cruel and unusual punishment? Was God too harsh in this incident? Now David, maybe like us, was at first angered by what happened to Uzzah. But then as David thought about it, he fearfully realized that God was trying to teach him something. And there were two mistakes David and his men made in trying to bring the ark of God to Jerusalem. The first mistake was that they had the wrong escort. Uzzah and Ahio were Levites. But God had said in the scripture that only priests should escort the ark. And neither Uzzah or Ahio were priests. And a second mistake they made was that they also had the wrong transport. God said specifically in his law that the ark was to be carried by humans, never carted. So after David did his homework, he realized that the reason for Uzzah's death was to show him that God demanded obedience down to the smallest detail. And when he followed God's command, God was pleased. And David was able to bring the ark of God to Jerusalem. And our text today is still difficult. It's hard to understand. But it is a reminder to us that the God we worship is the living God. And God is pleased when we obey his commands. It is also a reminder to us that we are not to serve God the way we want, but we are to serve God the way 
God wants us to serve Him. We may ask, is God a tyrant to whom we must blindly submit? The answer is no. We do God's will and we obey God because God has shown His goodness to us first. The Apostle Paul tells us in our New Testament reading that God has adopted us as His children through Christ. Even before the foundation of the world, the Bible tells us that God knew us and God was thinking of us and God was looking after us and He was taking care of us. He was mothering us. He was nurturing us. He saved us. He healed us. And He was concerned about us. And in Psalm, David said, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And then David prayed, O Lord, teach me how you want me to live. Then I will obey your commands. Make me wholeheartedly committed to you. Friends, what does God want us to do? God commands us to do what Jesus teaches us. To love one another and to love God. In his book, Professor Frank Thomas summarizes what God wants us to do as doing the right thing in all relationships. And Frank says, after intense scripture reading, prayer, and meditation, it became clear what I wanted really. I want to please God. I want to live a life that is pleasing God. I want to do the right things in all relationships. And because I want to please God, I follow and execute the teachings of Jesus Christ. And then Frank gave his testimony. He says, My passionate desire to please God and do the right thing in all relationships has kept my marriage together for 36 years. And in my marriage, my goal is to please God first. And if I please God, then I know that I will love and please my wife. Doing the right things in all relationship is so important that many times in the Bible, we are reminded to welcome strangers, to accept one another. And we are commanded to make every effort to live in peace with everyone. In the book of Romans, Paul teaches Christians that there, that there will always be differences among us, but we must not allow these differences to interfere with full fellowship in the church. And we may not always agree each other over some issues, and it is okay to disagree, but what matters is whether or not we graciously disagree with one another. And the question for us is, even if we disagree on some issues, do we accept each other in the spirit of love and mercy? And friends, we do what God wants, and we obey His commands because we are responding to His 
His goodness to us. And the Bible says, we love because God first loved us. And we serve God because God first served us. Last Sunday, I went to Battle Creek, Michigan, and I preached at a, at a new congregation uh, that is mainly made up of Burmese refugees. And after the church service, a couple I didn't uh, know before invited me and some of their friends to their new house to pray and to have lunch together. And before we be- began our prayer, the wife told us her personal story. She said, Four years ago, while I was living in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, as a refugee, I went through loneliness and depression for months. I had no job, and I was away from my family. And there was a woman of prayer in our neighbor. And she said, the funny thing is that woman could, could, couldn't concentrate in her daytime prayers at her place because her grandkids were making constant noise. So that woman came to my place every day, and she would pray, pray for me. And she would even pray for churches in Asia, in America, and different parts of the world. And then she said, God used that woman to draw me closer to God. And days later, I would join her prayer. And she said, that time I was already 30, and I was praying for a husband and a family. And a few months after we prayed together, she said, God healed my depression. And two years later, God brought me to America, and soon I met my future husband. She said, I did not get everything I asked for. Recently, two of my siblings died in the same month, she said. But God comforted me, and God has shown me his faithfulness. Today, I'm being blessed with a one-month baby, and my husband, and a house to live. She said, for months, our, our congregation, our new congregation was praying for us to find a house because most of our members live in apartment and we need a place for worship and Bible study. And she said, God gave us a house two months ago and now we have been praising God and studying the Bible in our house every week. And she was so happy and I could feel joy when she was telling us her testimony And throughout our conversations, the couple, she and her husband, would praise God. And I realized that they served God as much as they could with the things that they had, with their house, with their voice, with their energy. In our text, David did the same thing. He praised God. And he served God with what he had. And however he could, When the ark of God was brought to Jerusalem, even before the ark of God reached Jerusalem, David worshipped God and he distributed food to all of his people 
And then he danced. And David must have danced like a fool. He must have danced like a street dancer. When his wife saw him, she didn't like it. <laughs> she said, you shouldn't be dancing like that. And this is message translation. And David's answer is, in God's presence, I'll dance all I want. Oh yes, I'll dance to God's glory more recklessly even than this. And Ralph Waldo Emerson once warned Harvard graduates. He said, be careful what you want, for you shall surely get it. Friends, the question for us is, what do we want? Really? And why do we want it? Professor Frank Thomas answered why he wanted to do what God wants. He says, because Jesus gives me a hope and a future. Jesus fills me with the Spirit of God and gives me everything I need for abundant life on the inside, starting with joy. And it makes me want to live life because I want to, not because I have to. I want to live. I want to serve. I want to love. I want to sacrifice. As a people of God, what do we want, really? For God's glory, do what God wants. Do the right things in all relationships. Graciously disagree with one another. And hold on to what is good. And return no one evil for evil. And strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak and help the suffering and honor all people, and love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Who is like you, whimsical God? You could have kept all of creation for yourself, but instead you poured light into the shadows of the darkness. You planted seeds for crops. You shaped companions to walk this journey with us. You freely give these gifts to those who are made in your image. But from old we choose over and over to trust in sin and death, believing their tangible temptations are are more value than your hope. Prophets like David come along to teach us your way. So we can walk in your truth, but we consider them to be a troop of difficult people and chase them away. Finally, Jesus came to gather up your children so we might shine together in your kingdom. So we praise you, steadfast God, that your presence never abandons us, but is at our side in all of life. There is no corner that's not claimed by your grace. So we praise you, O God, on this day. We praise you in this world and pray that you might bring peace out of chaos, that you might bring joy out of despair, and that you might bring life where there is death. Hear us, love us, and teach us as we pray, for we are your people and we adore you, O God. 
And we offer in these words the prayer that Jesus gave, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information, visit us on the web at www.firstpresbyterian.org or send an email to info at firstpresbyterian.org. See you next week for another sermon from First Press.